Hey, Christy. Hey, Catherine. What's the difference between celery and snot? <laughs> what? Kids don't eat celery. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Christy, a backyard gardener from Colorado. These days, gardening has gotten very popular, and my friends and I have noticed more and more people picking our brains for tips and troubleshooting about gardening. We're not experts. We just learned a lot about gardening from the mistakes we made along the way. So welcome to Upside Down Tulips, a fun podcast that celebrates gardening gone wrong. Upside Down. gardeners. Hello, want-to-be gardeners. And folks who like pansies and petunias and potatoes. And peonies. And everything that starts with a letter P. Yes. Because we're talking about, this episode is brought to you by the letter P today. <laughs> right? That's it, in a nutshell. Yeah. Yes. And welcome back, Catherine. Thank you, Christy. I'm so pleased to be back. This is just so much fun. Oh, well, great. Well, I hope you're enjoying your uh, National Celery Month because it's still March. I am it's and wrapping I have up. Been perusing recipes and I found one which I think I'm actually going to try and it's a cream of celery soup, mm. which is pretty basic in terms of you start out with you know butter and a small onion and some finely chopped celery. They recommend two cups uh -huh. and then a clove of garlic. Cook that in the butter, right? And then you throw in about a third of a cup of flour, make your little roux mixture, and then you add a cup and a half of chicken broth and a cup and a half of whole milk or half and half and half and half and cream, whatever you want, <laughs> whatever fluid floats your boat, and then some salt and pepper to taste. And they also call for a little bit of sugar. So I would, after I put in the fluids, I'd let it simmer away for a bit, for about 12, 15 minutes, and then I would taste it and then add in sugar, salt, pepper from there. But I thought it's pretty basic, but sounds pretty good. It sounds wonderful. Well, you have the three things that are great in there, which is butter, exactly. garlic, and cream. And you can't go wrong with and that. And onions. Oh, and onions. Don't forget that lovely relationship between butter and onions. They love each other. Well, also a wonderful way to celebrate the strangest month of them all, which exactly. is natural, <laughs> National Celery Month. Exactly. Exactly. And you could throw a potato in there if you wanted to also. Oh, that would also be good. Yeah, because you'd have the starchiness from the potato, too, that would help thicken it up. So that's my recipe for the week. Well, yeah. good. And you know what today is also, Catherine? No. Today, March 28th, is National Weed Appreciation Month. I no, wait. What am I trying to day. say? <laughs> Weed Appreciation day. day. There we go. Yes. I had no idea that there was such a thing, but I'm glad that you brought it up. Well, okay. I know you appreciate your dandelions. I do. They're the first meal of the spring for the, all those pollinators. Even though I pull out my dandelions. I know you do, but as long as you don't spray them with Roundup, I will forgive you. Yeah, I do not yeah. spray them with Roundup. But I also make sure that they have other things like grape hyacinths right. and, and you tulips. you do have a lot of those really early flowers, little crocuses and the grape hyacinths and other things for them. I don't have near as many of those. And it's spring now. Exactly. Spring. I have not seen a bee yet. But I know it's a little early yet for to see any bees. Yeah, I would give it another month and then start looking for them a little bit. I have a bee hotel I made and I have a bowl that I put down by it then that has a bunch of rocks in it. And I start putting water in that uh -huh. probably the middle of April so that they have a water source as they start to hatch out. How are your reviews? Get? You're getting a lot of reviews. 
From the bees? Yeah, for the bee hotel. No, I don't have a Yelp page for it. Oh, okay. Because well, I find see. a lot of pollinators do not spend a lot of time on social media. Mm -hmm. Well, you got to get those reviews. They're Catherine, really busy. That's what does They're it. really busy. Well, I don't yeah. want to be overbooked. So, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> How else is your garden going? My garden is doing well. I did another um, round when I picked up the dog poo. And my um, penstemons are coming back nicely. Everything is starting to, to push up through the ground quite nicely. And my tulips are looking good. And I didn't have any that were affected by the frost like you had shared with last program. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't have any of that. But I suspect you have tulips that are coming up earlier than mine since yours are around the house. Mm -hmm. And they and can I, be warmed by the brick of the house. All excellent points. And yeah. I do think these are earlier tulips too. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I, um, I have some uh, tulips coming up that are um, later and they do not have that little frost on it. Right, so I'm very exactly. happy about it. So I think that that's probably what it is. I noticed my lilac bushes have beautiful big buds on yeah, them. Yeah, me too. And... So I've noticed uh, grass in the green belt, not too far from my house. Little splotches of it are starting to appear, but we're still just really dry here in Denver. So I did a bunch of watering. Oh, over the good! Last two I need weeks. to do that. Yeah. So my kind of rule is that if I don't, if we don't have snow cover in the winter, and it has, and we've gone a, a week or two without any rain or snow cover, I'll drag well, out the hose. But I haven't done that this we, month. Yeah, we are about a week out now from the last time that we got any moisture and I had, cause I have a big dish pan I keep on the table on my patio mm -hmm. that I then measure with a yardstick. And we had, I had about a half inch of moisture from that. Okay. And that was that weird kind of overnight spitting of rain, snow <laughs> yeah, that like melted spit, before we ever it? saw it or anything. <laughs> so yeah. So I did some more watering, especially of my rhubarb patch. Well, I, I'm, yeah. I noticed just in terms of like the bulb watch is that, yeah. Um, some of the tulips I brought back from Amsterdam this summer have come up, and I planted them really late. And mine came up too. Oh, I'm Because you gave me a dozen bulbs, and I yes, did. almost I have eleven that have come up so far. Okay. And like you, I put them out late. So, what else have you got going? Well, I also noticed that I have the garlic that I planted. I have a new kind of garlic that's coming up, and some I had some spinach and some romaine that overwintered. In oh, my vegetable wow. garden, and so that's looking really good. And I have chives up. I could do a nice chive harvest if you want some. Oh, actually, I would love some. Yeah, oh. that would be lovely. Do you want a plant? I'll give you. No, a I plant. have a plant. Okay, it's just none of that has come up yet. I sort of have this little area that's there is chives and arugula and um, a spearmint plant. Oh, and they nice. all kind of get to know each other. And I did notice too this morning that my garlic was pushing up through the straw that I had mulched. Oh yeah, I'm excited so, about this because this is new garlic for me. So this is my first time with garlic. Ooh. So this is kind of exciting. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. really wonderful. Oh, and I did bring in potting soil. I have a big container in my backyard mm -hmm. that I put old soil in or when I dig and plant the tomatoes and I have too much dirt left over, I'll put it in that. And I brought some in. I watered it really good. It's on the sun porch. It's warming up. So it's a good temperature before I start to put my seeds in next week. You know, that's such a good tip. Catherine, because with this happens to me too that when you buy potting soil, if you keep it outside, it'll just dry up. I mean, yeah. And you need to pre-moisten. Shout out to moist. Exactly. You need to pre-moisten <laughs> your soil if it's been sitting outside all winter. Because you want up. it well hydrated. You don't want to put those seeds on dry soil. 
and nor do you want to put them on dry soil and then try to water them because you can't keep them covered. So I've learned that it works so much easier if your soil is like, as you put it, um, moist cake batter. Yeah. To put your seeds in. And the water will just bounce off it if yes, it's dry. Exactly. And it'll just it go to the side. It so. to get the, the moisture back in the soil. Yeah. Well, I also have to make sure I water my milk jugs for winter sowing, Catherine. That's right. I looked at my celery this morning. Is it, what color is it? Is it uh, light? It, it's or? a light brown. So you should. And, and I've noticed that there's been nice condensation oh, on good. the inside. Perfect. So I thought I would give it another couple of days and I'll check it again. Mine, I noticed my milk jugs out there are getting dry, so I have to go out there and water them. And guess what I noticed when I was looking at them today, Did you Catherine? you little sprouties? Oh yeah, I'm going to reach for my little milk jug here. And what do you have in this milk jug? This is hollyhocks. <gasps> oh, Can look at these? all those little baby greens. Yeah, so that's the first thing that oh, how kind of pop fun. up. And hollyhocks are kind of fun because they don't, they you don't bury them. You just lay them right on top of the soil because they need sun to germinate. Snapdragons are the same way. Mm. And some poppy seeds are the Fox same Fox glove way. is the same Fox way. Fox glove and I think larkspur works best too, that you just lay it on top of the dirt. And a, a lot of those that we mentioned also need the cold in order to germinate properly. Yeah, they sort of need the cold, the, to freeze and thaw mm -hmm. and freeze and thaw. And if you don't know what we're talking about, folks, when it comes to winter sowing, we're talking about a method of outdoor seed starting that even though it's spring, you can still do it, but for some reason we call it winter sowing. And you can learn more about this really fun way to do it um, in episode 25, take out your jugs and learn how to winter sow. Or episode 72, more winter sowing, how to bring seeds to life in the dead of winter. Um, I had an interesting thing happen to me when I was at the at the nursery. Yes, what? Um, actually, I was at a big box store. Oh, okay. I was at a big box store. We were p picking up a bunch of things. So I thought, well, as right. long as we're there, I'm going to pick up some extra soil to put on my no-dig bed out in the front. Right. And... Um, the person who was checking us out said, oh, somebody's doing some gardening. And I went, yeah, you know, I'm you know, doing some gardening. And she goes, do you enjoy it? And I kind of laughed. And I went, yeah, I do. In fact, I don't know anybody who gardens who like doesn't enjoy it. Or feels like they have to do it. Yeah. And a woman next to me in line said, yeah, I kind of just say I have to agree too. I, I really love gardening too. And I wouldn't do it if I didn't enjoy it. Exactly. Yeah. Though I suppose there probably are some people out there who do it because they feel they're pressured to do it by their neighbor's yards and standards of what a good yard looks like, perhaps. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, the you peer know, pressure of the gardening. The peer pressure, right. And I'm very susceptible to peer pressure. So. Oh, well, I think we all are. I think that's a human condition <laughs> we can't escape. Yeah. So anything else new in your garden? No, I think it's it for now. I'm behind. That's what I feel like. I'm behind too, but I, I decided like to give myself permission to be behind and go, you know, I'm doing this because I like it, period, end of sentence. And as you said before, just do a, you know, the, in terms of spring cleanup, just do a little bit of time. Exactly. A little bit here, a little bit there. You know, I love to just pop in some music or a podcast. Uh, I, I will listen to true, I like a good true crime podcast. <laughs> And, um, yeah. and then the day just goes away just by puttering in the garden, yes. doesn't it? I have a couple of friends who do that too. They garden and they listen to podcasts. Yeah. What an excellent idea. Sometimes I garden and listen to garden podcasts. <laughs> what a clever concept. And so there might be people right now 
who are gardening and listening to, listen us. to us. Oh, that would be awesome. And I hope you're having fun playing in the dirt and getting your garden gloves all dirty. Well, folks, if there are words or terms you don't understand, you can just check out the informative and sometimes humorous Upside Down Dictionary on our website. And you can check out fun stuff on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest. And if you want to join our garden party. Oh, yes, the garden party. We need to mention the garden party. Uh, th- which is a cool way of supporting the podcast. It just means throwing a couple bucks a month to uh, me and Catherine and the other guest hosts so that we can pay the bills and continue to produce informative and fun Upside Down Tulips. Yes, exactly. Just click on the link in the show notes. We have a lot of different levels. And you can get some fun rewards like seeds from our gardens or Upside Down Tulips merch. And the merch is lovely. I'm just going to attest. I gave some merch for Christmas presents this year. Yeah, and you have a mug. You have, I have a, a mug. tote. I bought the um, little notebooks. Oh, the journal. I yeah. bought two of the hoodies, and that's what my godsons got for okay. Christmas presents because they're nice, and they're kind of a lightweight, especially if you're doing spring outside work mm. and you're working up a sweat. It's not too much, but it's just enough if there's a bit of a breeze. Yeah, I like that yeah. weight. Yeah, it's yeah. good. They're very nice. And, of course, we've got a brand new pot play. Oh! We do. We've got two new pot plays. Oh, how fun. I can't wait. This first one celebrates Weed Appreciation Day. Okay. Hey, Grandma. Why, Josh, what brings you over here? Oh, Mom said I needed to stop smoking so much pot, get out of the house, and do something with my life. Well, your mother's right. It's a beautiful spring day, and I could use some help in the garden. Fine. Let's go into the backyard. You know, today is March 28th. Yeah? That's a special day. What's so special about March 28th? I didn't miss your birthday, did I? It's National Weed Appreciation Day. Isn't that on April 20th? No, Josh, not that Weed Appreciation Day. National Weed Appreciation Day on March 28th reminds us that some weeds are beneficial to us and our ecosystem. Humans have used weeds for food and for herbs for much of recorded history. Some are edible and nutritious, while other weeds have medicinal value. See these dandelions? Native Americans used dandelions to treat tooth pain. Nutritionally, dandelions contain a source of vitamin A and C, calcium and iron. And during the Depression, dandelions were frequently eaten as salad. And over here is purslane, which is rich in potassium and full of beta-carotene. That's pretty dope, Grandma. Hey, what about over here, behind the potting shed? No, Joshy, no, not over there. Why, Grandma, hmm, I see you are preparing to celebrate Weed Appreciation Day on April 20th as well. I'm growing it for a friend. It's for medicinal purposes. And besides, it's legal to grow up to six plants per Colorado resident over the age of 21. Oh, I am well aware of that, Grandma. What do you say? We appreciate these weeds and make a dandelion and purslane salad? Good idea. And don't you dare tell your mother. And so our topic this week is the gardening with the letter P. We did this a, a couple months ago we did... With the letter A. Right, with you and Karen. Yes, I remember. so much fun information in. We thought it'd be fun to do another one. And I suggested that we start with peas. And in particular, I'm interested in penstemons, uh, peonies, and pansies. And then you suggested... Well, let's start off with P. 
Okay, let's start as off in, with peas. As in peas. As in that wonderful vegetable <laughs> that goes peas and baby carrots. <laughs> right. Yes. Do you grow peas, Catherine? I grow the little sugar snap peas. Oh, those are the best. Because I eat them fresh out of the garden raw. Well, I adore them. Depending upon where you live, folks, now's the time to do it. So um, peas thrive in cool, damp weather. So they're an ideal candidate for early spring planting. So if you live in a mild climate, you can also plan for a fall harvest. But spring plantings generally will yield more for fall. I didn't think about the fall if you live in a mild enough mm -hmm. climate, but that makes perfect sense. I don't think it's good here, though. No, not here. I don't think. In the Denver metro area. Right. And you know, there is nothing better than the taste of fresh peas. Yeah. My mother used to make peas, creamed peas, and baby potatoes. Mm. It was one of the first dishes that would come oh, out of wonderful. the garden in Kansas. And oh my God, it was the best. Fresh peas. Can't be beat. Do well, you, you want to get them in the ground as early as you can in the spring. You should, the soil temperature should be about 45 degrees. And if you don't have a thermometer for your soil, that roughly means when the outside temperatures are between 55 and 65 before your last average frost date for your region. So to clarify, because I get a little confused about this sometimes. So what you're saying is during the day, if it gets up between, let's say, 53 and 65 yeah. and stays there for two or three hours, yeah. then it's probably a good guess that our soil temperature is going to be around 45 degrees. Absolutely. Okay. Now, in okay. the Denver metro area, some people swear by St. Patrick's Day. Right. Okay. I haven't done that yet. I think my, my ground was too wet. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, okay. You, you want to wait until the soil is dry enough so that it doesn't clump and stick to your garden tools. Right, no, exactly, or the bottoms of your shoes, or yeah. just be a big mess, and when you dig it, all you have are these big, fat clods. They're hard to break up. Uh, yes. <laughs> I love that image, though, Catherine, of your feet full of <laughs> soil. Um, young pea plants can take a light frost, so that's why it's okay to plant them now. Okay. Ish. But be prepared. You may have to protect them from a frost if they're already up because if a, if the if they've already germinated and they're up a light frost could hurt the flowers so if we get a uh, we've i planted the peas they're up about three inches and we get a forecast of it's going to frost tonight i might want to throw a sheet yeah. over them yeah. okay mm -hmm. okay um and, and you don't have to use a trellis for peas though i do i think it's nice it's easier to pick them if you right. use a little trellis give them something to climb i have I, those little cheap wire fences that you can buy at Ace Hardware. They're yeah. about 18 inches tall. And I, I put those along the row of peas so that the vines have something mm -hmm. to climb up. I turn a tomato cage upside down. Oh, good point. Good point. Yeah. Uh, but put the trellis in before you plant. Yes. Would be my recommendation. <laughs> Definitely before you plant. Yes. And this is um, a reminder that peas don't need much nitrogen fertilizer. No, they don't. They actually create their own nitrogen from the air because they're a member of the legume family. And they can even improve your soil by adding nitrogen to it. So don't fertilize too much. Exactly. Peas. Much like if you plant red clover or alfalfa, it's the same kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Those legumes are magic in per mm -hmm. terms of putting that nitrogen back in. The mistake I always make with peas is I don't water them consistently. Mm, they are rather picky about that. Yeah. you got. If you want full, flavorful sugar snap peas, you have to water them consistently. Um, and did you know you can grow these in a container? That makes perfect sense. I don't know why you couldn't. Um, what I've seen some people do is that you can put in a wire cage, like a tomato cage. Right, right. And then plant lettuce in the center. 
Oh, what a great and idea. And around it. That's a brilliant idea, especially if you are limited to a patio or a small balcony. Yeah. Something that gets at least six mm-hmm. hours of sunshine. And a, and a container that's maybe like you think six to eight inches deep. Yeah. It's probably, it's that's really all you, all you need. really need. That's a great idea. Um, and if you want to do it in a container, remember, folks, always look for a variety that will have the word little in it. Like... <laughs> Or like this is like Little Marvel is a good small right. container one or Tom Thumb or Early Frosty or something like that. Right. Um, and then when you get a chance, the other great tip I'll give you for peas, which I've done this before, is pinch off your pods. Don't pull them because you could wreck your whole vine, which I've done before. <laughs> so like pinch them off like either with your clippers yeah, or your, your fingernails. But don't pull them don't, off the vine right. because I've okay. done that before. And then boom, the whole vine and just like just wreck the And then vine. you just go, you just pull the whole thing up and now you're never going to have peas from that plant again. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Okay. But no. you know something else that grows good in containers on patios and small balconies is that other lovely pea Pansies. Do you have any out yet? No, I don't. Not yet, but I usually do them. This is sort of, again, a family tradition around Easter hmm. is when you buy your pansies. I love pansies. I do too. I grow them every year in the same pots out in the front of my house. And I think it's because when we bought the house, the people who had it before us had pansies in, in these pots out front. And so I just continue the tradition. That's a brilliant idea. And there's something really happy I like about pansies. Their little faces. Their little faces. And they are just in the spring or even in the fall. They're just so good. And folks, speaking of pansies, like your peas, you don't want to overly water them with high nitrate fertilizer because mm. they don't like that much like the peas. So you can use just a regular sort of average um, fertilizer, the 5105. And mm-hmm. you, if you put them in in the fall, which you can put in, uh, wait a week after you planted them before you fertilize them, and oh. then fertilize them again in the early spring. Oh, I love that. That's yes. good to know. But stay away from those high nitrogen fertilizers. And pansies, if I'm right, are something you can always bunch together, too. You can really plant them in mass. You can mass. plant them really tight. If you buy a little six-pack of them, uh-huh. you can plant them in the container as close together as they are in that little six-pack. And they're happier, and you get a nice bed. Mm-hmm. Of of color and happiness, yes. Um, it's important to deadhead those, aren't? Isn't it? They will bloom longer, and they will bloom until we start to get too hot, and then they turn leggy on us, and they just go. We don't like the heat of summer. <laughs> right. We're just gonna sit here. If you keep watering us and just kind of keep an eye on us, don't let us dry out too much. We will come back when the nights start to cool off. I always thought it's a badge of honor if I can keep my pansies past the Fourth of July. That's that's excellent. Yes. Yes. And it does. You just have to pay attention. You do have to keep watering them and kind of mm-hmm. trimming them back. You don't want them to get too leggy, which is mm-hmm. long or tall without having blooms on them. And deadheading just, means pinching off the dead or spent flowers. Exactly. But if you keep deadheading them, they will keep blooming. They're quite lovely. I just I just think that a garden is not a garden without a pansy. Do you have a favorite color? Oh, I like the purple ones. The purple ones with yeah. the deep dark centers. Yes. Which the pollinators love too oh. because of that deep dark center. Yes, definitely. Now there are species of pansies that they're starting to grow, but you'll see them in the green garden centers um, in the fall and they will winter over if you pay attention. Mm. 
I think you have to mulch them a little mm -hmm. as we start to get into the really super cold when it's down in the teens or single mm -hmm. digits. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. yes, but if you protect them, my understanding is those will last through the fall very nicely, kind of go dormant and may come back in the spring. Well, another P word then is perennial. Yes, perennials are my favorite. I'm not a big annual gal. I like my perennials. Well, unlike an annual, which is short-lived, a perennial is a typically cold-hardy plant that will return again in the spring, and they usually bloom only once per season. Right. That there are some exceptions to that, and deadheading can help them mm, mm -hmm. bloom repeatedly. We learned with Jupiter's beard last year, sorry, it doesn't start with a P, but let's pretend, um, <laughs> that if you cut it back, you can mm -hmm. get another round of blooming from it. Excellent point. Uh, perennials do tend to be a bit more expensive initially. Initially, yes. But they are a good long-term investment because exactly. they return every year. And they often uh, live a long time, though they don't last forever. No, they don't last for forever. And a key to perennials, I would say, is when you get them, when you put them in the ground, give yourself three years. The first year, their feet under the dirt are really busy growing. And you want to make sure you water them sufficiently so they get well established. The second year, they'll start to grow up. And then the third year is when you'll suddenly be able to get an idea of how big this plant really mm -hmm. is going to be. Because the worst mistake I ever made is I plant my perennials too close together. <laughs> sure. I've done that too. Exactly. I like the phrase, the first year they sleep, the oh. second year they creep, the third year they leap, and the fourth year you can't get rid of them. That's, that's great, but that's a good way to remember. But perennials can just bring you years of great enjoyment, and they're not as much intensive work in the spring. They don't need as much water once they're established. Once they're established. But you, you're right, you do need to make sure you water them once you plant them. And it's also smart to plant perennials that are native to your region because that offers the additional benefit of creating a habitat for your pollinators and um, beneficial insects. Exactly. I always have a bunch of perennials uh, mixed in with annuals. So I think they're both great. What's your favorite one? Uh, I really like penstemons and Jupiter's beard and larkspurs. But mm. larkspurs is, I suppose, technically an annual. I think it is an it annual that will recede. But it recedes so prolifically. Ah, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Well, when we come back, let's talk about penstemon. Okay, let's talk about penstemons. Okay. Welcome all to Creative Corners. I'm Cookie, your host, and I'm here today with local poet Wanda Wyandotte, who's going to share her spring poem with us in a few moments. But first, I'd like to ask you, Wanda, what is your inspiration for writing poetry, and when did you start writing? Well, Cookie, I'm a big fan of Angie Dickinson. Oh, my. Her work has just always inspired me, and I just adore the breadth of her vision, her choices in words, and how many poems she wrote in her lifetime, and what a tragic life she had in so many ways. Angie Dickinson brought you to poetry? Yes. How interesting, Wanda. You know, I've only known Angie Dickinson as the movie and TV star. I had no idea she was a poet. So I guess I'm curious how she brought you to writing and when you discovered her poetry. Oh, my. Oh, good point. I mean, oh, oh now I'm confused myself. 
Being postmenopausal is so challenging at times. <laughs> Don't you find so many so... Oh, maybe, maybe I meant Emily Dickinson. Yes, yes, that's right, Emily Dickinson. So... <clears throat> I've been writing poetry ever since I saw the play The Bell of Hammerhurst, and then I read some of her poems. Do you mean The Bell of Amherst? Oh, my. Yes. <laughs> Don't you find there are a lot of Dickinsons out there? Well, Wanda, that is all most interesting. Would you like to share your ode with us now? Oh, please. <coughs> Ode to Spring, 2023. Spring, spring, spring is here. The joy of it brings me to tear. The soil is calling to each of my fingers. A chickadee's song of sweetie pauses me to linger. Spring, spring, spring is here. Noble Cooper's hawks perch in the cottonwood tree. They seek twigs and branches that are best for construction of their baby's nest. Spring, spring, spring is here, and I'm so glad I never liked beer. Sunrise brings to treetops molten golden hues, and I'm so thankful I haven't gotten the flues. Spring, spring, spring is here. Each morning I wake with the sun lacking fear. Bits of gold and yellow hues come forth each new day. Inside the house, I simply cannot stay. Oh, spring, spring, spring is here. Okay, that's this week's Creative Corner. It's a tiny corner, but it's creative. Next week, knitting hats for your cats. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, being brought to you this week by the garden letter P. P as in penstemons, which are one of my favorite garden plants. Me too. They are a native wildflower here in the West in particular. And they are awesome for pollinators, hummingbirds. They are deer resistant. And they're also once established are drought resistant. So they're considered a zero scape plant. And there are over 300 different varieties of penstemons. And they, you will know them because they have in the name of the plant, they will have the name beard tongue. So you'll have like the emperor's beard tongue. And High Country Gardens happens to sell, I think, well over 65 different varieties of them. The penstemon that I have in my yard mm -hmm. is from High Country Gardens. Yes, exactly. It's called Red Rocks. Okay. And it is a beautiful uh, pinkish purple color. Yes. And they look like they have like almost like a foxglove kind of bell shaped to Which the is bloom. why the hummingbirds love yeah. them. They're just the right shape. And bumblebees too. Yeah. They have a little trumpet flower. Yes. That comes out of it. And uh, 
and and a, and a hardy bloomer too. Like it blooms a long a time. A very hardy bloom, and a lot of them also reseed in the fall. Mm. So one of the things when if you deadhead your penstemons, for example, I have a friend who planted penstemons, and then she became very irritated because they were taking over her bed. But that's because she didn't realize that they were reseeding uh, themselves. I wish mine would do that. And if she had gone in and deadheaded. She wouldn't have had near that problem. Mm. But if you do deadhead, only deadhead a third of your plant to allow the others to drop the seeds. And one of the things that will help for the seeds to um, to procreate again in the spring is when you mulch around penstemons, you don't want to use uh, spongy compost kind of things. You uh -huh. want you want to mulch with a light gravel if you do any mulching. Oh, uh, because, I've been doing that all wrong. Right, because this encourages the reseeding and protects the crown from sitting in wet over the winter. Mm. So you should avoid barks, <laughs> grass clippings, <laughs> yeah. compost materials, and also some of them are prone to fungal product problems. Mm -hmm. But once you have them established, you really can kind of leave them alone. And they're good in a lot of zones, aren't they? they? Yes, they are. Like zones um, like five to nine or something like that. I believe that yeah. is correct. I think that I didn't make note of that. That's why mm. I didn't know. I'd never heard of them until I moved to Colorado because mm -hmm. of growing up in Minnesota, which is, you know, zone three, four, five. Right. You don't really see many of those. But they are native North to... Amer North American plant. Yes, exactly. And especially to the West. You want to also avoid overly enriched soils. Mm. Again, they're native to the West here. Mm -hmm. So they want that kind of, you know, craggy soil. That You don't want too much compost is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. um, because that can shorten their lifespan. And that has to do with the potential for developing those fungus. Um when you do plant them the first year, of course, they need to be in full sun. And the first year, you need to water them frequently to get them established. Again, that three-year rule. Because um, they're a perennial. Because they're a perennial. And you want to prune them back in the spring when the little green growth has start to come up. So when you see the green growth up around the root crown starting mm -hmm. to come through, that's when you can cut back the old long twigs from last mm -hmm. fall. Now, mine come up later in the spring than other yes. plants do. Is that true for yours, That's too? That's true. So you have to have a little patience and faith. Yes, because different penstemons bloom at different times of the year. I have ones that come in and are very early in the spring, and then I have others that are later in the summer, uh, early fall. So oh. I try to have like a little wave mm -hmm. of them since they're oh, very popular with idea. the bees. Yeah. Well, if you don't have this wonderful perennial in your garden, folks, we strongly encourage you to check it out. And and, and High Country Garden is a great place to get They them. are. And I use High Country Garden a lot for a reference point. Yeah, I will go, sweet. these are sure. the kind I'm really interested yeah, in. they're very good on education. And then I will call my local greenery place and go, do you by chance have these penstemons? Ooh. Yeah. Um, another good resource, too, by the way, is the um, Colorado State University's Extension Office. Mm -hmm. They have some really lovely information about plants. In fact, that's where I picked up the stuff we talked about with pansies. came from Plant Talk Colorado. It's another excellent source of information. I'll put a link in the show notes for it. I think that would be great because the Plant Talk Colorado really is great. And they're also in cahoots with the... Um, Botanic Gardens here in Denver. And um, you probably have your own extension um, office, folks. Yes. Wherever you live, they're just a great resource. They're an awesome resource. 
Yes. Another P word is uh, pH scale. Yes. Talk about that because that's something I don't know a lot about. Well, you'll hear people talk about what's the pH level of your soil. Right. It's very important to gardeners. Well, pH stands for potential hydrogen. Okay. And it's a scale that we'll look at to see in your soil how much potential hydrogen you have in your soil. So soil that's in high rainfall areas that have a lot of tree cover will have uh, often more acid or less pH. So this will be oh, the eastern okay. United States, okay, the southern United States, and the Pacific Northwest. Um, they will usually have less than 6.5 pH. And so folks will put lime in their soil in these areas to raise the pH. Would bone meal also raise the pH to a certain degree? I do not know. I'm thinking I read somewhere that lime or uh, bone meal... Uh-huh add to that of the acidity of the soil because when you bring up the pH is means that the acidity is higher is that correct did I hear correctly um uh, less pH is is acid okay um, so the lower the pH number it's it, the more acidic the soil is that's correct okay and if you want okay and if you want to raise it you can add lime or maybe maybe bone meal right okay now Alkaline soil is found in low rainfall areas, so that'll be the western half of the United States. And so to lower, folks will use sulfur or organic materials. So like heavy compost. Yes, and that would be stuff. that would be us in the, right. in the great state of Colorado. Some people also say that's a sweet soil when you have an alkaline soil. Okay. And that would be soil that's over 7.5. Okay, okay. What do we want, of course? We want something in between. We want 6.5 to 7.5 is considered neutral. Oh, okay. That's interesting to know. Okay. And soil in the Midwest, like the great state of Kansas, right. and the Great Lakes tend to be closer to neutral because of a mix of factors. It's They will have less rainfall and tree cover than the eastern and the southwestern part of the United States, but they've also been subjected to intensive farming. Right. And, and over a number of generations, which helps increase the acid levels in what would all what would probably be alkaline. So the ideal pH range for growing fruits and vegetables is 6.0 to 7.0. Oh, that's interesting to know. Okay. With the exception of a few plants like blueberries, which thrive in acidic conditions, which is why it's always hard for us in Colorado, which is very alkaline, yes, to grow blueberries. To grow blueberries. Plus, it's just Colorado and blueberries go... We do not live in Colorado. <laughs> right. We yeah. live elsewhere. Um, if you want to amend your pH fall, is the best time to do it. I think it's probably because the winter, it just gets a chance to oh, just Oh, that sit makes there sense. Because if you're going to put compost down, wanting to make it more mm -hmm. alkaline, for example, it gives you the winter months for that to break down and, and work into the dirt and feed into the system. Okay. If you want to know what your soil level is, of course, you can buy some very cheap tests. I buy the cheapest test you can have, and you can test to see what your level of your soil is. But we also have some homemade tests on our website. Right. I remember you did. I remember when you guys did a podcast about that. Okay. That you can just yeah. use kitchen materials right. with to, to test your own soil. And we talk about this in more depth on in way back, Catherine, in episode 26. And I think that's the one I'm thinking of that yeah. you and 
And yeah, talked about uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Edith created yes. some great soil tests. So she did. She came up with some awesome yeah. ones. It's, it's helpful though if you, if you have some if you're having challenges in your right. garden to know in your veggie garden to know what your pH level is. And just circle back to the the resources that we were talking about, especially the extension agents or your local botanical mm-hmm. gardens. They also can give you advice if you think your soil is one thing or another of how to augment mm-hmm. it to make it better for particular plants you may be interested in growing. But I cannot sing the praises of these resource entities too much. They're there. They live to answer your questions. I know. You know, they're 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 not self-actualized unless you ask a question. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's like the people who work at the information desk. Yeah. That's they right. want you to ask for information. Yes. All right, Catherine, do you have peonies? I do, and I'll touch on it really quick. They're one of the oldest garden plants around. They can live up to 70 years or longer. They're native to Asia, Europe, and Western North America, which I found so fascinating. And they like acidic soil. They also like six hours of sun every day. They don't want to be close to trees or shrubs because they don't like to compete for water. They love moist, wet springs. Shout out to moist. Exactly. (laughs) In order to grow and bloom nicely. Uh Uh, They like well-drained soil. Now, they are not drought-resistant. You need to compost them annually and lightly fertilizer them after blooming. Uh, if you don't want to mulch around them too much, if you have a new plant, you can mulch with pine needles or bark mm. in the first winter, but remove that promptly in the spring. Uh, they're they, one of my favorite flowers. And they love cold weather. Oh. That cold helps them go dormant and set their buds. They're good for zones three through eight. And again, they need that six hours of direct sunlight. They are a little moody about being moved. Or disturbed. I've heard that. And I would encourage you all, because it is rather a complex process, to go online because you can Google transplanting peonies and there is a wealth of information out there, whether it's in YouTubes or websites. It's good to do it in the spring though, right? No. Oh. You do it in the fall. Oh, in the fall. You do it in the (gasps) fall. Yes. Because again, they need that cold. In the okay, new place. gotcha. Oh, so, that's so interesting. That's the Reader's Digest version of the world of peonies. Oh, I wish I had them. Well, maybe someday you will have one. I have a neighbor that has a bunch. I may have to, like, see in the fall. Or see. just treat yourself to one. Yeah. Right. Or you have friends. You have a birthday. <laughs> that's it's right. time to lay plans. Can I also just add on that sure. deer also hate peonies? Exactly. And so do rabbits. Yes. So if you're looking for some deer resistant, we gave you two ideas. That's exactly. That's our letter P. Pensamen and peonies. peonies. Yes. The letter P. Well, we got more P things, but we out of time. So. We did. So thanks for listening so far. Hey, Christy. Hey, Catherine. Guess what time it is. Oh, I don't have no idea. It's time for mailbag. Ring, ring, ring. Yes. And today we have a letter from Laura in Denver. And she writes, I want to grow a giant sunflower house in my backyard, large enough to seat a table of six for dinner. Any clues to how to go about making sure it's strong enough would be much appreciated. Well, Laura, that was quite an interesting question you have. I love this idea. I know. I do, too. And I've thought more in terms of shade for the evenings 
that you could get from giant sunflowers. Oh, yeah. I want to live in a house of sunflowers, Catherine. <laughs> that looks... Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. I want to, and, 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 like, to have a dinner party in a sunflower house? Outside, exactly. So I suspect that Laura is looking for some nice shade in her yard area. It's sure. Kind of what she's yeah, it just for. looks like a giant fort right. you can have. What a great thing for kids, too, I think. Yes. My question would be, if you get the giant sunflowers <clears throat> with the heads that are so big, it's going to be a challenge to keep them upright. Do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah. You know, what I think, the type of sunflowers, Laura, I think you're looking for is a variety. Good so point. my suggestion would be to pick seeds that um, stagger in height, bloom time, and color. That's so excellent. a mix of mammoth sunflowers yes. and dwarf and single and multi-head. Right. Um, the first thing to make a sunflower house is to mark out your space and get it level. And, you know, you can even do a sunflower house in your lawn. Um, it should be about at least six foot by six foot or larger, and it can be any shape you want. So you can make it out of a circle or a square or even a triangle. Um, and you can maybe, you know, mark the perimeter with some sticks, you know, or some bam pieces of bamboo. Bamboo, sticks, right. Um, and you might need a shovel to dig up part of it if you're putting it right. in your lawn. Um, plant the sunflower seeds six inches apart and one inch deep. Make sure you leave space for a door. Yes. And I think it's also a good idea for sturdiness is to, for thick walls, to do two rows of seeds. So leave one foot between rows and plant the second row of seeds between the seeds in the first row so they kind of alternate. So they're, okay, zigzag. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, and another idea to make it strong is, you know, you can also grow a roof. Which is while you're planting the sunflower seeds, plant morning glory seeds along with the sunflower seeds. So as the plants grow, the morning glories will climb the sunflower stalks. And when the sunflowers start to bud, tie this, some string or twine to the sunflower stems across the tops. And then the morning glories will follow the string and create a roof. Okay, that's all good. Uh, the only thing I would add is if you're going to plant the great mammoth-headed ones, you're going to need support for them. And I would look into, you can buy bamboo stalks up True. to 12 feet tall yeah. easily online, uh, especially from Amazon, because I bought some seven-foot ones last year. Yeah, um, and that's a really good point, Catherine. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I planted the mammoth ones last year for the first time, and they did floop over. Right. But that's why I think if you grow two rows of it, that the others, and you grow these closer together than you would normal sunflowers, that they would support each so, other. I think that's a possibility. I just would be prepared to, yeah. to tie a few up and also be prepared for the uninvited guests who will come. To your sunflower <laughs> right, house. Right. That's they're a good small, point. They're small. They have tiny little ears, cute <laughs> little noses, and bushy little tails, and they're known as squirrels. The assholes of the garden. Yes. And they. And oh that's my why God. my sunflowers floop over. Well, that's part of it, is they're yeah. running up the stalks. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's a... I like your idea a lot, 
but I do suggest that you have some, some bamboo steaks and a good mm -hmm. way to put in the bamboo steaks, honey, is to water really good. Mm. And you're going to want to water really good regularly anyway, to get them to start to come up. Yeah. And believe it or not, sunflowers like water, but water really good. And then you can put in your big stalks that you're going to use to hold up. Because yeah. if you get enough of the stalks, you can hold up a lot of weight. It's now, surprising. I'm glad you brought up about watering mm -hmm. because it's true how much sunflowers need water that Especially people Especially until they that. get up to be, I would say, three, yeah. four feet tall. When do you start planting sunflowers? I don't put my sunflowers out. And i be honest, I haven't planted a sunflower seed for six years. I had sunflowers six years ago and they just keep reseeding. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So they're like... For me, it's more corralling them and controlling them. Yeah, I pull mine. If they start volunteering in a place I don't want them, I pull them up and I move them really quick. <laughs> you can do that too. Yeah, really, really fast. Like you have to pre-dig the yeah. hole, you know. But if you start planting in April, late April would be my suggestion. Okay. And then you, and then by May first. Yeah, that's when okay. I and in our neck of the woods, since she's yeah. in Denver. So, okay, folks. Well, if you have questions about sunflowers or words that start with a letter P, or uh, what well, you want to tell us, your garden successes and failures? Your flops, your questions, all of those things. You can write to us at UpsideDownTulips.com or at UpsideDownTulips at Gmail. We want to hear from you, really. Oh, Christy, so it's that time in the show. Do you, by chance, have an inspiration for us this week? By chance, Catherine, I do. <laughs> This is from Mirabelle Osler, an English writer and garden designer. There can be no other occupation like gardening in which, if you were to creep up behind someone at their work, you would find them smiling. Oh, that's lovely. And I'm not familiar with this garden designer. I'll have to look her up. Mirabelle Osler. Okay. Well, friends, you've reached the end of another episode of Upside Down Tulips. And we are so glad you can join us. So thank you for listening. We're Catherine Gray and Christy Montour Larson. And if you got some laughs and value out of this week's episode, could you do us a favor? Hit that subscribe, like, or follow button wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you so much to Denise Gentilini yes. for composing Yay. and performing the Upside Down Tulips theme song. And you want more? You go to DeniseGentilini.com. Or you can find that link at UpsideDownTulips.com. And thank you so much to our excellent yet enigmatic engineer. Oh my God, wonderful, wonderful. And join us in two weeks for another episode that will delight and amaze you. Don't forget, if you make a mistake, your garden will forgive you. Upside Down. We yes. didn't talk about potatoes. I know. We'll catch them on the teas for taters. <laughs> 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 <laughs>